1: All right, quick lay of the land for how the podcast works today.
2: The beginning part, is Adam and I were broadcasting over in locker room today. We did that right after the trade deadline basically closed, got in there, talked about the Nets, talked about how other teams made some moves the Nets didn't, but we were okay with that. Then we talked with some locker room folks. That part is not on the podcast. Instead, near the end, I kind of back go back and go through the rest of the moves that were made across the NBA today. Moves I liked, some moves that just seemed a little suspect, which ones moved the needle, which ones didn't. In uh, what ended up being a pretty fun day on Thursday, Nets were quiet, but that's okay. General NBA landscape uh, was pretty robust. We're going to talk about it all here on the podcast. Like I said, first part locker room, second part just me, but first, the theme music.
0: You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day,
2: And we can get rolling. We are back on the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Also broadcasting live in locker room today. I'm Doug Nori, owner operator DFSR. You know the drill. That's Adam Armbrecht. He's the voice over of the Brooklyn Nets over on Sportscaster. It's getting me thrown off, by in this locker room thing. Uh, and, (laughs) and, And the host of the One Giant podcast as well. Buddy, how are we doing? Trade deadline Thursday. It was coming fast and furious.
3: It's all just speakers and, and, you know, and microphones, buddy. We're going to be okay. Uh, uh, fantastic. Listen, uh, I think a lot of Nets fans were maybe waiting to, to see something happen, to hear something happen for Brooklyn. Uh, ultimately, they stand pat, and a lot of teams made some moves around the league. It was a busy day for the NBA, just not necessarily for Brooklyn. And I think you're going to lay out what moves were made. But first and foremost, why the Nets not doing anything was probably exactly what they should have done.
2: Yeah, I don't think anyone had too much in the way of expectation around this trade deadline for the team. I think, you know, as we kind of joked about, the Nets trade deadline was two months ago when they traded for James Harden. And you're never going to make a bigger deal than that. And they used a lot of their assets at the time to make that deal. And rightfully so. And that deal is looking like one of the biggest wins that's ever going to have been, you know, come down in the history of trades for the NBA. Like there's just they haven't won anything yet. I get that uh, just based on the returns so far um the trade was already just about as big of a win <laughs> as you could ever get. So and by the way, not for nothing but Houston if you go back and look at what Houston got ended up getting for him, it's kind of embarrassing. Um but it's like Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley, Dante Exum, two picks. <laughs> like it's bad. Anyway, because yeah. uh, they just traded away Depot for nothing. But so I don't think the I don't think that from a Nets perspective in terms of the trade deadline, any real big expectations were here. I think the one thing you might people might have thought was going to happen was we were going to see Spencer Dinwiddie traded. I think Dinwiddie probably thought he was going to be traded based on <laughs> based on some of the tweets <laughs> that he sent out during the day uh, that kind of indicated that you know there was some chance that he was not going to be back and he kind of knew that, but whatever ended up happening with that, nothing materialized, and the nets go out of you know 3 p.m eastern hits and there's nothing that's done and i don't think that's a big deal i don't think that there was like i said there wasn't really you know if you look at we're going to go through some of the pieces that did move around today and uh, you know a lot of moves i don't think that the landscape changes all that much but the um in terms of like the players that were moved I, I didn't look at any of the players that were moved and say oh the nets missed out there either right so i don't think yeah. that i don't think there's a I don't think there's like a FOMO situation going on here with the Nets at all. And I'm just not surprised that we got to the deadline or end of the deadline and the Nets are essentially standing pat. Had the, had the Nets made the deal.
3: For Harden now at the deadline, it would have been the biggest piece to move in the NBA over anything else that happened uh before the deadline today. So, like you said, the timing of it is is really irrelevant. The trade was made; you can put it wherever you want. It's the biggest trade that was going to happen this season. The Spencer Dinwiddie piece, though, I, I know because we were going to get into the rest of the league and, and how some teams maybe stack up against Brooklyn. But from the Spencer Dinwiddie standpoint, maybe he thought he thought there's a chance he could be traded. I'll make the case that if he because there's some speculation that this guy is on the road to recovery and may be available come postseason if he is available this arguably is this is an acquisition by the brooklyn Nets at the trade deadline right like the news that he could play in the postseason potentially it could end up being pretty important because when you look over the Brooklyn Nets roster, I, I love the contributions of a shamet. I love what Bruce Brown has done for you. But if you know, Tyler Johnson, but if you can put Spencer Dinwiddie onto this roster for the postseason run, that's a whole other level. Like he, he's the best. He is better than any of those other guys that we're talking about in the guard positions on this current roster. So I, how, let's say that he does play. Let's say that he does come back. Do you look at that as being an extra level that it takes this roster to because that's how I see it i mean I see it as being a guy that could could be a very big contributor to a championship run if he's able to come back healthy?
2: yeah, I think that there's a chance of that happening right we knew we know what the previous iteration of him was. I think if he's the if he's your first kind of guard off the bench, your team is really really good <laughs> like I don't and we already know that the nets are really good, so yeah. um I think that that's. Uh, Pretty much set in stone. If he's a guy that can like in the playoffs play 15 minutes for you at a guard position, um, you know, dispel some of those other guys and get some ball handling out there, so be some like point of attack uh, offensive stuff that he was doing. Then yeah, for sure. Like I said, like that's why I'm not really worried about this trade deadline because you know they went into the trade deadline without Kevin Durant, right? And they were playing; they've been playing amazing. And then they, you know, they don't have Dinwiddie, and it seems like the timeline on him might be much faster than we thought. so that's why it's just one of those situations where it's like, well, what's there to worry about here? Because the team is pretty darn close to complete as it is. And yeah, if you were able to get him back like late season, you know, into the early playoffs, something like that. And he's able to be relatively healthy. I I still think that's a pretty big, if all things considered. Yeah. But, um, I think, but but, so let,
3: let me put it this way because the nets not trading him. I think it makes more sense for the nets to not have traded him. For the chance that he could come back and be a contributor, as opposed to whatever they would get back in return on the market, I think it's better for the Nets to just stand pat. And if he ultimately ends up opting out and walks after this season, that's fine. I think that it's I, I think you're willing to take that risk for the chance that he could be a contributor. I don't think that's really going to hurt the Nets in the in the grand scheme of things.
2: And I think they just didn't want a big part of what was going to kind of going the pieces that were moved. We're going to talk later a little bit later about some of these pieces that were moved, but. None, nothing really here ended up being anything close to a game-changing piece, really. A couple teams moderately improved. Uh, a couple teams didn't do anything that are in far worse positions than the Nets are. And so I think that, like, from a kind of landscape perspective, you're feeling pretty darn good about it. I'm sure they probably entertained some offers on it. I'm sure there was something, you know, maybe, like, is, did a call get put in about Aaron, an Aaron Gordon thing? Maybe, right? Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. um, ultimately, if that's even the, even that, that would have been the direction that they would have wanted to go, or even if Orlando had a, would have wanted to go that direction. I'm not sure. So I'm sure there was like some, I'm sure there was like some shopping around of him because there was just enough smoke with that fire to, to think that his name had been floated out as part of some kind of trade piece. But yeah, no, like in the end, Marks has done a very good job of evaluating cost benefit analysis around sort of what they have and what they're willing to give up. And he's made the right move Man, like every single time. So it's like you have to just trust that whatever news you didn't hear about it makes made sense for them in a, in a grand scheme of things, right? Because I, mean, I hate to say, like, I, I just trust him implicitly <laughs> around moves and stuff like that. But, man, the track record's so freaking good at this point, and it's so good – especially with, like, you know, there's no news, no news, and then it's just kind of something happens for them. That's really been sort of their MO for a while now. So I think that just in general, the fact that nothing happened means that there probably wasn't even anything close in terms of what they thought was requisite value, especially if they think he's going to come back, right? Because so, like, they know they're not going to resign him at this number. He's going to opt out of this player yeah. option almost for sure. So it's, it's not like – it's a kind of only a short-term play, right? <laughs> because they, they have to believe – they have to know that he's not resigning – you would think for that number right so like or well, me, he's not he's not the, opting in he's not opting into his player option
3: right and this is the, but this is the difference about being a team in pursuit of a championship versus a team that is is in this amorphous state so take the you know the Houston Rockets for example right taking players on trading them away etc you know the nets are in a win now mode so yes Many teams might look and say, if you were a, another middle of the road team with Spencer Dinwiddie, who's on a potential opt-out scenario at the end of the year, you'd say, "Oh, we want to trade him. We'll almost take whatever we can get for him because we're not going to bring him back." But if you're the Nets, there's really there's no pressure. There's no force to hand here. The team is constituted well. Maybe he can be an extra piece. And you mentioned, I know we're gonna we're gonna move into what the league did overall here on a, on a big trade deadline day overall. Uh, but trusting Sean Marks, how could you not trust Sean Marks? You know, you got uh, a a Lise Johnson just coming out of the woodwork here. And, and God, really, like, as, fans as, Nets, are dying. as
2: Nets fans will tell you, oh, they love it. Oh, People are dying to talk Lise Johnson. I, like, <laughs> All you got to do is have every single guy on a team sit for a game and then just have one guy who's got more energy than anybody else in the place run around for eight minutes or whatever, 16 minutes, whatever he played, and then fans are just dreaming on that this guy's, the, you know, kind of a cornerstone rotation piece for a playoff run. So, um, <laughs> yep. I, you know, like I said, we're broadcasting this in, in locker room. We see some of those folks in locker room. Much appreciated having you all here with us. This is going live on the podcast as well. We're going to de- answer uh, questions, so throw the questions out in the chat for sure in there because we're going to get to them uh, in a few minutes. We wanted to kind of just like, take a look at the Nets here from a uh, trade deadline perspective, and I do want to talk about some of the other moves uh, that were and weren't made uh, over the course of the day. All right, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your sports action. College basketball and NBA are in full swing right now with March Madness and obviously the association going every single night. But Bet Online has you covered for even more than that. Award shows, TV shows, reality TV, all the props you could ever imagine are available on Bet Online. Real-time updated odds and props on anything you can think of. Also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds that you can get your hands on. Head on over to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up today, totally free, but if you make a deposit, you're going to get 50% on that welcome bonus, but you have to use the promo code On, just like our podcast network. Once again, head on over to betonline.ag, sign up, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook
0: experts. This is Jake from Locked On. Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: So I think the biggest thing for me that happened here with the Nets, besides the fact that they didn't do anything, is that the two biggest competitors for them in terms of teams that were likely to try to make a move at the deadline on Thursday that could have probably stood to really improve their team in some fashion, didn't make those moves. (laughs) And that is the Lakers and Philadelphia specifically, and even more specifically around Kyle Lowry. Both of those teams were in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes, if Shams and Woj can be believed, which I think that those, considering those are the only two guys that broke any news over the course of the day, I think we can pretty (laughs) much, (laughs) like, (laughs) it is one of those things like, it's kind of like when you were like playing well, – It's not even a good example. I was going to say like when it was like the Bulls versus the Jazz for those few years in the NBA, it's like, well, why is everyone even playing? Like and then the Bulls are going to win. Like one of them – like woes just still wins, right? But it's like in the end, there's just two teams. It's kind of not fun when you get to the end of it. That's kind of where we are with NBA reporting. Like it just doesn't even matter listening to anybody else at this point. But the no, I, um, I only trust my dad when I needed a fact as a kid, right? Well, my dad
3: said – that's basically shams and woosh. Well, that, what, this is what my dad's told me, and that's what I go by. There's just like,
2: and right, and like, why even why even source other opinions? Like, why it just GMT? doesn't matter. Like, <laughs>
3: yeah. They're just going to beat
2: you anyway. It's more accurate. Anyway, so the, those guys, you follow those two guys, and you pretty much have, um, you're caught up on the news. So the two teams that are in at the top tier, I think, right now, in terms of like superstar level talent that can really probably make a run at this thing, I think there's a few other ones in there, you know, we can talk about them, but the two teams that were going to make a move that are the real threats here and whatever you want to say about Utah, whatever you want to say about Denver, we can talk about that. But they, these two teams were in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes. Both teams would have been substantially improved had they added Kyle Lowry. But for both of those teams, it's kind of like exactly what they needed (laughs) and they, and neither did it. And so I think from that standpoint, you have to look at this from a Nets perspective and say, it's just another win because if Philly is able to add a catch and shoot, uh, a catch and shoot three point shooter with a re- very good handle, who's like just so pesky on defense and just kind of annoying when you play against him, and kind of has championship level pedigree because we've seen it before, he already won a championship. So, like adding him would have you know not even marginally improved them, would have greatly improved them. They need that exact guy. Them not being able to pull the trigger and ultimately get him is a big win for the Nets. Kind of the same thing for the Lakers. I know mean, oh, they have Schroeder, so Schroeder, so it's like a little different of a situation. But the Lakers are in one of these situations where I'd be like a little concerned the Lakers don't make the playoffs <laughs> if I was them right now. The LeBron's gonna be out for six weeks. Like they're not guaranteed. They probably will, but it's not a guarantee. Anyway, the fact that neither of those teams added Lowry at the trade di- deadline would to me was the so one, Nets didn't have to make a move, they're still winners. Two, those teams did not add Lowry, therefore by process of like whatever that mathematical property where you you know push it on down the line the nets are also a winner from that standpoint
3: well, and so with the Lowry piece, if, if I'll, I'll, I'll focus on the Seventy because I think you're right the, the Lakers, because of the injuries right now, uh, you can kind of I don't say understand, but you kind of look at it and go, well, there's a world where we take this rental on a player because again, Lowry, you, know, you don't know if it's going to be a long-term stay wherever he ended up getting traded to, so maybe the Lakers are just saying that's a big investment for him. you're going to have to give up. Do you think that the Seventy Sixers needed to be more desperate around Kyle Lowry and need you know because it feels like for a team that struggled the last handful of years to figure things out in spite of having what we think on paper is a very talented team. Now they're there. They're 31 and 13. They're leading the Eastern conference. And and to your point, if you get Lowry, well, now you're talking about a real battle uh, as it stands right now. And you've seen this in, in the betting odds, The Nets are the favorites now following the injuries to the Lakers. Should the 76ers have basically done anything and everything
2: to get Lowry? Well, it's going to be really interesting if they ended up being um, always the bridesmaid, never the bride with a couple of these trades because they were obviously the other team that was in contention with the Harden deal and weren't able to um, pull the trigger on whatever was being asked for them, probably Ben Simmons, right? And uh, look, whatever you're going to say about that, I, I you can make a case to not get him it looks bad in retrospect when you see how harden's playing now <laughs> like to not <laughs> right. have given up something for, for him but at the time I don't I don't want to rewrite history and say that I would have thought that was a slam dunk at the time so I think from that standpoint they you know they came in second there they didn't come in second in the sense that Lowry wasn't traded here but I'm sure there was like some breaking point that they just didn't want to do with like however many picks they needed to give up. He was probably looking at being a rental because he has, he's uh, on a contract at the end of a contract now. And so if the, if there's not a sense that you're going to have him re-sign, then you are just renting him for a season. And there's a lot of risk with that too. At that point, you basically have to win it all with him, right? So I, I can see the downside, excuse me, I can see the reasoning behind not doing it and I mean, if it's the piece that puts you over the top definitively, we'll never know now. <laughs> but, like, if it is if it is the piece that can put you over the top, it could be a brutal move to have not let go of, like, a first-round pick plus Tyrese Maxey plus, like... I thought they actually traded for George Hill to make the money work. I, like, when they traded for George right. Hill, I was like, oh, man, I wonder if that's going to be, like, the next move. I couldn't tell if it was an insurance policy to, if they weren't to get Lowry or if it was like, oh, we're going to be, like, the we're going to make a three-team deal out of this to make... To be able to like even out some money, ultimately it looks like he was the insurance policy to not get him. It's still a nice addition. It's not, uh, it's not in the Kyle Lowry sort of like pantheon of moves. So I think that overall, it doesn't. I mean, clearly, what was your original question? Like, should they have done it? I, I don't really know. I, I probably ah, no, no. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think it's it, it's more like so.
3: I'll almost frame it in the way of and things. I want to ask you quickly about a couple other teams in the uh, just in the NBA overall. One one in the East, one in the West, but. It, it, like it's like the Nets making the move for harden, right? When you when we talked about it back then, it was like, listen, it's probably going to take a ton, and it, it's going to be a big leap. And yes, you, every single time you do it. Now, is is Kyle Lowry the same level of player as James Harden? No, but for the 76ers in this moment, with what they've been able to do this year, with Docker versus the coach, right? Like they finally seem to have figured something, figured things out there. Like it just feels like this should have been your all in moment, possibly. Because I don't know, short short of doing something like this, if if the idea is, well, you know, Kevin Durant comes back, are we gonna, you know, in, in their quiet, honest moments, we're not gonna get over the Brooklyn Nets in the Eastern Conference, we're not gonna get over maybe the Bucks, whatever it is. So why go all in on this rental for for the well, remainder right, of the season? Right, right. But then, then you the actually like, layer farther, and you go, well, then, then then why didn't you trade for Harden? Why didn't you do this? You know, you should have done anything else then because that means that this team is not the team that's going to win it for you.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really hard calculus to do if you're a team. I, I think the part where like you're trying to evaluate your long and short term needs, where you're looking at like your longevity piece around guys like Embiid and Simmons. I mean, clearly they're showing an ability to play together in, some, in you know decent respect this season by just filtering everything through Embiid and then just like having Simmons do. uh, Play a little bit different than they've had in the past. You know, they surrounded him with one or two more shooters, so that does help as well. But ultimately, if you don't feel like your timeline is going to be this season because the Nets are just so good, then right, like doing it for one season and kind of chopping your knees off (laughs) or chopping your legs off the knees for the rest of for the rest of the timeline around those two guys. Like if you keep your powder relatively dry for a run at a different time, maybe that's you know you get like you get one year older of LeBron, you get one year older on guys like Kevin Durant and James Harden, and that's a real thing. So I think there are is plenty of reasons to not to not do it. And then with the Lakers, you know, I, I it's it's interesting around where they're going to be now in terms of championship pedigree because they're dealing with just. Two pretty big injuries now to their two best players. The team is awful without them. So, I like you can't even make an assessment on them. It's mostly like how many games are they going to lose before the, those two guys come back? Uh, that's really the only question you ask about them. The team is just terrible <laughs> without these two guys, now, especially LeBron. I, so, uh, like they've lost three in a row, they're going to lose a lot more. And the West is pretty loaded. I, like I said, I don't think they're at risk to miss the playoffs, but the team sucks without those two I there's no I'm, it's not even hyperbole like they just think without without yeah. those two guys
3: Le- Lakers are four and a half games back in the West. The 10 seed, which will be a playing team, the Warriors are 10 and a half games back. So it's not that big of a margin. And also it does take a lot. Like the, the Lakers would have to kind of do what they're doing, continue to just lose, uh, you know, multiple games three in a row. Now, if they continue to fall like this without them, then then I think maybe it gets dangerous for them. I just wonder if they can survive long enough. And then even if they end up back and healthy and having to do a play-in game, they can turn it all around and still get themselves back into a playoff run. The other quick one that I that I did want to ask you about was obviously Victor Oladipo. He goes down to Miami. Is that a needle? I mean, you know, the Miami now 500. They had a very an awful start to the season. They've managed to right themselves a little bit. Now they trade for Oladipo. Does that change anything in terms of your perspective on them in the Eastern Conference?
2: No, no, yeah. not really. Um, he, they, you know, it makes them marginally better. They give up nothing to get him. So like from that perspective, it's probably an upgrade. They give up like Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley, which is like to say, They didn't give up anything, so I mean, they added. They they had an interesting trade deadline because they also traded for Ariza. It wasn't at the deadline; it was last week. And they so they added Ariza, they added Oladipo, they added somebody else too. Shoot, who did I miss here? Oladipo. This is this is good pod here. Oh oh oh, they added uh, uh, Bijalisa from the Kings, and there's thought that they're going to add Lamarcus Aldridge in the buyout market. And so all those pieces put together, are they a marginally better team? Yeah, but. That, that team's got real flaws. And, and I think that that team, to some degree, I, I get that they made the championship last year, and that's not, I'm not poo pooing that. That was uh, a heck of a feat, and they played out of their minds. I, I kind of always had the sense that they were playing so far, like punching so far above their weight in that situation mm-hmm. that. I just didn't see a repeat for them. Now, I'm not going to pat myself on the back because the reason the team has been bad this year is because they've been brutalized by COVID and other injury stuff. So it's not the reasons that they're not that haven't been good, that good this year are not the reasons that I thought they were not going to be that good. So I can't really take full credit for that piece. But I also thought that like that team just didn't strike me as a huge threat really. And yeah. this doesn't, and, and from that standpoint, this does not really change my mind at all. Uh, Oladipo, like, I mean, what what was his market? If the Rockets took back Kelly O'Linick and Avery Bradley, that makes me think again, like that makes me think that there was all, just no market for, I guess they got they got a pick in there too, but like there was just no market for him at all. And so everyone else had the ability to trade for him too. If they wanted to maybe like upgrade the wing spot and no one did. And that was the best package they took. Like that's, and, and like that kind of made me think, oh, th- this is not this this thing is not really a needle mover when it's all said and done. All right, before we get to the rest of the podcast, got to talk to you about our friends over at Built Bar. You know, Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar out there. Amazingly low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Best tasting protein bar on the market. One hundred percent covered in chocolate. As well, can't believe these things are healthy. So many great flavors that Built Bar was good enough to do the Built Bar Bracket Challenge, where they put all of their flavors up against each other just to be able to pick out the best one. Today's chocolate cookie dough versus birthday cake. Got to go with the cookie dough on that one. Think that one ends up being one might end up being the big winner. You can go over to builtbar.com right now or at bar underscore built on Twitter. And if you sign up for the first time and make your first purchase, make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league –
2: All right. That concluded our nice little run on Locker Room. Thanks to everyone else who jumped on as well near the end of the podcast uh, that we did over on Locker Room. Our original intention was to have that be part of the podcast. Had a few little technical difficulties with uh, transferring over the audio. That's why Uh, The folks that got in there jumped in, asked some really cool questions, had a nice little conversation. That's the only reason you're not hearing that part at the end of the podcast now. So apologies for that, though. We had a great time. Wouldn't take back any of it, uh, of course, when it was all said and done. Looking forward to jumping into Locker Room again next week. Very cool platform. Always cool to talk to people as well as much. Look, we could talk hoops all day long. We do talk hoops all day long. So Locker Room uh, ends up becoming the perfect place to do that. Wanted to just recap a few of the other trades that went down here at the trade deadline. All in all, pretty uneventful set of stuff that went on here on Thursday. Uh, Some some needle movers for sure. I think we broke down the moves or the non-moves between a couple of the different teams that were going to be. Uh, the contenders when it came to facing up against the Nets. The one other one that we didn't really talk about too much was Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets. Uh, Aaron Gordon, the long-sought-after Nets fan, power-forward answer uh, that you know people in Nets world have been jonesing to have this guy on the court <laughs> in a Brooklyn uniform for seemingly forever. It doesn't end up happening. I think Nets fans basically knew that wasn't going to happen uh, at this point. The market probably just ended up being a little too high. I'm not sure Sean Marks and company really wanted to go that direction anyway. He goes to Denver. They send back Gary Harris, R.J. Hampton. I really liked him uh, during the draft process. R.J. Hampton, and then uh, a pick or two, I believe, uh, from Denver. Aaron Gordon heads over to there. They get a little heavier on the wing. I'm not sure. It's definitely an upgrade for Denver. I don't know if it puts them like over the hump in terms of championship level caliber. I think you're going to see Aaron Gordon look a lot better in an Orlando or excuse me in a Denver uniform. He's just not going to be the center like the focal. Point for other teams' defenses. That Orlando team was so brutal after him and Vooch that, especially like in terms of guard play, so he gets an instant upgrade there in terms of scheme. I think he'll have a more of a chance to shine. I'm not sure if like what he does in particular is going to be a huge help for Denver, though it does make them a little bit bigger on the front court. They already had MPJ there. Playing really well, uh, but they probably want he probably starts taking or cutting into those Millsap minutes where they haven't really wanted to run him for long minutes as a starter. So that's probably ultimately where he ends up. I do like the move for Denver again. I don't know if he's the piece you add as part of a championship run, but it definitely probably improves them. In terms of some other moves in the East, we saw Vooch go over to Chicago makes them uh, more of an interesting offensive team. They send back Wendell Carter Jr. They kind of jettison and and also Otto Porter. We did talk about Otto Porter a little bit in the locker room section about a possible buyout candidate. I don't know if Sean Marks is always going to get his man. Otto Porter, Porter was definitely one of those guys that Marks had wanted to sign once upon a time. It didn't work out probably for the best in terms of how Otto Porter's career trajectory and arc has gone ever since then a lot of injuries for the guy. So really can't, you know, foresee too much of that. His career has taken a downturn. He ends up as sort of a money matching piece in the trade from Chicago, where they uh, were sending over the enough money to match along with Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, to get Vooch. The, the Vooch piece is nice. He's offensive first. The team's obviously going to have a ton of firepower on offense. Still going to be pretty bad on defense across the board, so I don't think that it it makes them a more fun team. It puts them into the playoffs probably for, almost for sure, but I don't know. It's not like a championship-level team. Uh, it does signal a part of the Orlando sort of like blow up here because we mentioned Gordon, we mentioned Vooch, Uh, Fournier, we'll get to him in a second, so Chicago does, uh, makes that upgrade, makes them a better team, like I said, makes it what, the 7th best team in the East or something like that, 6th best team, probably not even that high when it's all said and done, but makes them an exciting team, so I don't like really mind the move all that much if you're just looking to like be a moderately good team that your fans can kind of enjoy watching you play, maybe you steal something in the first round, probably not. But uh, that's kind of where that Vooch move landed for me. And then the third piece that Orlando sent out was Evan Fournier, who had an absolute classic day on Twitter, telling people to uh, Google his name. (laughs) So uh, he ends up going to Boston. Boston, again, Danny Ainge, always close. Adam and I talked about this in the locker room, always close with these moves. You know, they were sniffing around. They (laughs) almost got a deal done. In the end, Boston brings in Evan Fournier. That's like a fine wing upgrade-ish you know they're a very wing heavy team kind of across the board now except for Kemba Walker they send out Daniel Tice it ends up becoming a three-team trade they send out Tice and then end up getting back Mo Wagner so I don't know if the plan for Boston is to play more Robert Williams and Tristan Thompson at center I don't think this makes the team all that much better I don't think that they upgraded themselves for anything like a championship run uh kind of you know filling in stuff around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So I don't think it's, it wasn't they weren't any scary moves from Boston, I guess is my point. Uh adding Fournier, nice piece. If the Nets had added him, hey, that would have been nice. I don't think that was a guy that you know, again, I keep using the word needle mover, but I don't think it's a guy that you, you go crazy about. They probably got him at the right price, but Boston, look, like for all the assets they have and all the stuff that they were supposed to do over the years A lot of it just kind of never got there, so um, that's just kind of where you end up as a Boston fan. And then the last piece that Nets fans had kind of been dreaming about, only because I'm not sure who else there was to really think about at the trade deadline was Norman Powell. His name had been bandied about. For a while, I got asked a couple times on Twitter my thoughts about him, like maybe a Dinwiddie for Powell trade. I wasn't in love with it. Powell's defense is pretty suspect. He's a great shooter, so there was no question about that piece of it. He's not all that big, like 6'3", trends a little longer. So, you know, maybe he's like a slight upgrade in terms of size there. But, like, he's not known for his defense. And if the Nets are going to be adding pieces right now, they really need to be around defensive wings. We have shooters at this point. So if Norman Powell was going to come for a song, Sure, but that really wasn't the case. The Portland gave up Gary Trent Jr. and uh, Rodney Hood to bring him over. Not sure the Nets were gonna part with anything like similar in terms of talent, especially with Trent, who's young and has shown a decent amount of upside. So I wasn't ha- I wasn't I wasn't sad to end up losing, well, quote unquote, losing out a Norman Powell there. That wasn't a guy I was all that excited about, even though I recognize like the thing he's good at, he's really good at. And he just has deficiencies in his game that I don't think we're really going to help the Nets over the long term. So that's kind of where we end up wrapping up for the trade deadline. It's always a really exciting day. It's a fun day to be on Twitter, following along with Woj, following along with Shams. That's really the only two guys in the world that you need to follow at this point because they break everything, they scoop everything. Everyone else is basically just tailing them. So uh, always a fun follow as you get to watch these pieces kind of move around, evaluate who got better, who got worse. In this case, you know, where does it all stand relative to the Nets? Uh, all in all, a pretty fun day. Eh, probably in terms of trade deadlines, not you know the biggest blockbuster. Uh, You know, set of trades that we've ever seen on this day but a bunch of fun stuff to discuss and a bunch of fun stuff to see how it kind of plays out for some of these teams going forward I had a great time on Locker Room like we said we'll be back again every single week on Locker Room so make sure you start jumping in there Uh, it ends up becoming part of the show and we just love broadcasting over there as well so go, make sure you download the Locker Room app Uh, go give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnNets we're getting close to a thousand maybe you'll be the thousand Twitter follower give you a little pat on the back If that's the case, and make sure you rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. We'll be back again next week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.